Welcome to Entrepreneur Decoded, the show which reveals the habits, fears, failures, and joys of today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs seven days a week. Now, here's your host, Simon Sander. Let's get into the show. Today's future guest is Mike Muni. Welcome, Mike. Well, hi, Simon. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for coming in. All those delays and finally we're able to do it. No worries. I'm always busy, so I had plenty to do. Mike started career at IBM in the mainframe era. He went on to have extremely successful entrepreneurial career. He's the CEO of Whip Orbit Software and Viper. He also co-founded ACT. Mike, take a minute to fill in some gaps from that intro and give us a little glimpse to personal life. Okay, so I uh, was born and raised in Chicago, uh, poor family, oldest of six kids, blue-collar family, got a college degree and uh, started my career with IBM by accident. I was accepted to law school, but life threw a curveball at me and I was unable to attend and a friend who worked at IBM made an introduction and I passed all of the hurdles and had a great career at IBM who ended up teaching me a great deal, Simon, that I later applied to both the purpose, let's call it the soul, uh, and the design of what became ACT. And to inform your listeners as to what ACT uh, is, uh, because it still is on the market after 29 years, believe it or not, it was the very first uh, product that created a brand new category of software called contact management, contact manager, software designed for people who deal with people and who doesn't deal with people. And it seamlessly integrated your contacts and the activities and had an automatic history of everything you did with or for that person. So you had this automatic growing and documented, curated uh, relationship history. That product went on to win over 100 global awards and created competition because it was so successful. And it ultimately was acknowledged as the product that started today's CRM multi-billion dollar a year industry. Over 10 million people bought it, $400 product, uh, and um, is all over the world. So it was a great experience. After six years, we sold the company to uh, Silicon Valley Software Company, uh, publicly traded. And uh, from there, I went on to do some other things. But that's the history of ACT. Make a long story short, kind of fast forward to today. Uh, as an XAC user myself, uh, I never found anything that did as much as it enabled me to do to deal with more people more effectively, focused on real relationships and not the illusion of them, like so much social media gives us the impression of today, Simon. Uh, and I went Apple, and there was nothing in the Apple world, so. I needed it myself. I started a company. I know how to design software. I pulled together some of the old ACT team and even some of the original ACT investors and board of directors and launched Viper with an O, V-I-P-O-R, to uh, help people that have an iPhone, iPad, Mac, and even the Apple Watch. So, Mike, uh, you worked in IBM as a marketing uh, rep for uh, almost five years. Then in 1986, you uh, co-founded ACT that you were talking about. Uh, what made you take that leap? Well, this is going to be the interesting part of the story, Simon. Uh, my partner, Pat Sullivan, and I were best friends, and we always wanted to have our own company together because we just enjoyed working together and we had the same business views, etc., 
So we started a company and created a product in Lotus Symphony, which may not mean much to some of your younger listeners, but it we can we created a what I'll call a configurator. In other words, uh, you would come into a PC store that you had to go to in that era. This is 1986-87 era. Uh, to buy a PC. And so you'd go to Computerland or Businessland, Entree, and we would enable the store um, customer uh, through our product to configure that uh, number of machines that that person wanted to buy. You know, two of these, five of these, you could back solve a margin line item at discount and print it out and give it as a document and back that quote for, let's say, 30 days to the prospect. So it made you look very professional, but also made you uh, assure you had a profit. The uh, we found an angel investor out of Boston who put in one hundred thousand dollars on uh, the optimism of the huge market that was unfolding that that product could be sold to eighty five thousand dollars later. To make a long story short, Pat and I said to each other, this dog ain't going to hunt. It's over. We're dead. We did not know what to do because the angel investor was coming down from Boston to the Dallas Fort Worth area where we were in about three weeks. One of the people that I had been trying to sell Margin Maker to uh, was the CEO of one of those store chains, 54 stores in the country. He never bought it, but he liked me. And so he was recognized that year uh, in Computer Reseller News as one of the 25 most influential people in the entire PC industry. And here I knew the guy. So we went to him and said his name was John Pertel. John, we're in trouble. Margin Maker is dead. We don't know what to do. The angel investor is coming down. Do you have any advice? And this is what he said, Simon. Sounds very simple, but it, it changed the course of history, and I'm not exaggerating that. He said, look, next week is July 4th, 1986. You two guys are smart guys. Why don't you go have a brainstorm breakfast from 8 till noon uh, and see if you can come up with another idea? So Pat and I took that advice, and at that breakfast, we set some criteria uh, you know, if we had a blank sheet of paper, what could we design that we ourselves could use? Because we couldn't use Margin Maker. That was for a PC store salesperson. And so we just started saying, you know, if we could create a product that did this and did that, and all of a sudden over the course of this breakfast, what became ACT was literally conceived on July 4th, 1986. And I still have the original napkin. When we left that breakfast, this was a Hail Mary pass a desperation move, do or die, and we finally left that breakfast feeling like we had life again, at least the hope of life. And for the next two weeks, next three weeks, we devoted our time and energy to designing the decision tree, the site plan, if you will, what the screens looked like. We architected the product entirely. I codenamed it YES, which was an acronym that stood for YES, everybody sells. You might be a CPA, you might be a college student, Whatever it is you are, uh, you uh, or what you do, that's what you do. But what you always are, first and foremost, is in sales because we all have competition, right? So you're an architect. Why should I go? Why should I buy your architectural services? Why should I buy your coffee when I can go to your competitor and buy their coffee? Everybody always sells. So I codenamed it. Yes, the angel investor came down three weeks later. And he knew nothing. He didn't know that Margin Maker was dead and we had been applying our energy to preparing for his visit to tell him this new idea. 
So we took him to lunch and said uh, his name was John McNair. We said, John, we've got bad news, but we've got good news. We told him the bad news. And then we said, but we've got some good news. And he listened to what we said. We showed him the documents we had designed and architected. And we were hopeful that he wouldn't be upset with this. And this is what he said when we were done. And we had no idea how he would respond. He said, look, I didn't invest in Margin Maker. I invested in the two of you. And it's obvious that the two of you have a better idea. And I like your idea. Do you need any more money? It shocked us. Spontaneously, we said, yeah, we do. And he said, how much? And we said $50,000. And he pulled out his checkbook and wrote us a $50,000 check. I went back to John Pertell, the guy that a month earlier suggested that we have this brainstorm breakfast on July 4th, who knew nothing since that visit. I brought him completely up to date, all the way up to John McNair pulling out his checkbook and writing a $50,000 check. When we were done talking to John Pertell, he said, I like that idea too, and I've got a couple of friends that also might like it, that might like to invest. Let me pull together a meeting, and within three to four months, we had about $400,000 in angel investment, and we were on our way. So we came that close to shutting down the business, not knowing what to do. We humbled ourselves, took some advice, applied our energies, and we didn't give up. And nine months later, April 1st, easy day to remember, April Fool's Day, 1987, ACT came on the market. And since then, over 10 million people have bought it. Over 40, we, we are, have been told 20 to 30 million people have stole, stolen it. So all told, there's 30 to 40 mil, million people in the world that have used ACT and benefited from it. That created a multi-billion-dollar industry. So on Fourth of July, everything changed with that one brainstorm breakfast. What was about you guys that really stood out? What was the special sauce that that Silicon Valley investors saw in you? Well, uh, we didn't want to give up. I, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know. We just knew that uh, damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. I mean, you don't just give up and cry foul. You see what else might be out there that you can discover within yourself. You know, I always tell people when I publicly speak, Simon, you don't realize the reservoir of talent and knowledge and instinct and survival, uh, you know, mode instinct as well that is within you when you come up to your back against the wall. You just, you know, uh, hang your head down in shame and say, okay, I'm done. Or do you say, I'm going to fight. And that's what we had. We had a fighting attitude. We believed in each other. We wanted to continue to work together. And so how hard was it to just exchange ideas and thought and, and discuss it and then grab onto the pieces of it that began to emerge that ultimately created something? And so it was just, a, again, a damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. You know, entrepreneurship is not about success. We all want success. Entrepreneurship is about surviving and you've got to be agile. And we've all heard, you know, the, the uh, need from time to time to pivot because you need to. You don't see everything clearly at first. And so that's what we did. We had that attitude of just never give up. So in 2009, you started VIP Orbit uh, Software. You co-founded the company. Were you graving uh, that entrepreneurial uh, passion again after selling the initial company? Absolutely. It was very hard to sell the company uh, and basically give it up. 
uh, you know, there were there were compensations for it. Obviously, we you know made some money, etc. Uh, we had the t- obviously to this day, I've got a very unique. Me and Pat Sullivan are the only two guys in the entire world that uniquely created not only a software product and a software category, but a global software industry CRM. Okay, so I've got a very unique perspective from birthing something from an idea, as does Pat. So it was very hard to give that up. And for many years, everything I did was anticlimactic. I was kind of depressed in many ways, not depressed or I needed medication or any of that, but there was an emptiness in me, uh, Simon, because when you create something and it turns out to be successful, uh, extremely successful in our case, what else can can compare to it? Very little. You understand now why a lot of people who, let's say in the sports industry, once they are forced to retire, they live the legacy of the past, you know, the past glory days. And I was kind of in that mode. But as time goes on, you distance yourself from that and you cannot live in the past. And I believe in the saying that success should be a springboard and not a hammock. If I could, as you know, Pat and I were both sales guys. Pat had worked for 3M. And as two sales guys, you know, life is about relationships. It always is and always will be. Uh, but there was this uh, sense of I want to continue to do something. If I can, if I as a regular sales guy could achieve that, what more then am I really capable of continuing to achieve and even perhaps surpass act? You know, I don't want to put a ceiling on myself. And so what drove me and what drives me today with v- its VIP orbit for very important person, VIP orbit software, um, what drives me is I'm not done yet, Simon. And entrepreneurship knows no age. It's all about your gut, your determination, your vision, your creativity and your sheer will to overcome the odds. And I still have that. And what happened when I transferred all of my, um, you know, everything to becoming an Apple user and there was nothing in the Apple world, as I had earlier said, uh, that's what prompted, I need it. I'm tired of waiting around for somebody to do it. I'm not going to wait around any longer. So I'm going to start a company because I need the solution. I didn't, I didn't look at this as, oh, it's an idea that I could maybe make a lot of money from. That may come, but that doesn't drive me and never will. What drives me is I'm trying to realize the full potential of what I'm meant to be and accomplish in my life, and I'm not done yet. Mike, we always start the show with the same question, but we're 15 minutes in already. But I still want to ask it. um, If you had to pick one thing that you do, Mike, something that really contributes to your success, you've started many companies, you've had a lot of success. So what is the one thing that you do? that you feel has been the biggest contributor to successes so far? Uh, very simple to answer that question. I, uh, uh, this was my upbringing. It was then also my professional training at IBM, which I, you know, I went on a time to get into here, but they taught us a lot about how to treat people and how to see people and how to carry ourselves. So I'll answer your question with two simple sentences that are profound. People matter. That's my attitude. I didn't say business people. I didn't say customers. I said people matter in both my business and my personal networks. Everybody is important or could be. 
we live or die by the strength and health uh, of our networks. And so that's a never ending endeavor. Okay. The second part to answer your question is uh, this saying, this belief uh, that I have. I believe in the infinite potential of closer relationships. So people matter and a belief in the infinite potential of closer relationships. But it's my responsibility to develop, to uh, work, and to maintain healthy relationships with people of all sorts, because that translates to my reputation. And we all want to have a good reputation from which we can continue to thrive personally. That's what uh, drives me in my uh, business endeavors. That's what gives me my vision and inspiration. And it also says the kind of people that I'm trying to target who see this product helping them in that same regard to demonstrate that people matter to those people they deal with. So, Mike, let's get really practical uh, with the audience. Uh, as a person who has done so many keynote speeches, has worked with so many people around the world, uh, give us a glimpse to the lessons you've learned with uh, working with people. Well, I'll give you a little bit of a dark side as well as the upside, okay? Um, because of the success of ACT, uh, you know, I say to people, what is more difficult to deal with, failure or success? Most people say failure, and I say you're totally wrong because with failure, you've already hit bottom. There's no further down to go. Success, however, can be an enormous stressful force, and I lost balance with my family. It cost me three years before we sold the company to Silicon Valley firm, uh, software firm, uh, it cost me a 19-year marriage because I lost balance of business and my personal life with my family. Uh, there was a lot of stress in the company. Pat and I, even though we were best friends, because ACT was so successful and we had so many demands, parents don't necessarily agree on how to raise the child. And so it started to cause some wedges between Pat and I as the two guys that uh, you know, start, created this product and started an industry. And so there was a lot of tragedy that came along with the success. And what I say to people, Simon, is don't look at me and don't you look at other successful people from a gross success standpoint. Net out the cost that they paid, even if they're hiding it. But there is always a cost to pay for success. And that's a net success. So put a price on a lost marriage. You can't. So I view success as a completely different thing than what I had before uh, I ended up having a divorce and the loss of a 19-year marriage. Okay. So Mike, uh, tell me after having the divorce, uh, did you change your work ethic as well as what are your thoughts on can entrepreneurs have it all? Perfect life balance, perfect work balance. Um, we tend to want it all. Is that even possible? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, there's always a price to pay for something. You can be, uh, you know, a professional athlete, uh, you know, European football or, you know, American football, baseball, pick any sport. Uh, you have to be 100% dedicated to it. Uh, look at all the wealthy people, celebrities that are traveling the world and go through enormous divorces. The, the pressure of time and demand is makes it impossible to balance everything. You have to make choices. 
Now, I'm not saying, obviously, that you can't be a successful entrepreneur and have a happy marriage, but low, uh, you know, be aware that you have to consciously work as hard on separating yourself from the glamour and glory of unfolding success and apply that same energy toward your family devotedly uh, when you're with them and understand that they don't see your life uh, nor are they experiencing it the same way you are on the quote unquote playing field of business, right? And so if I had to do it over again, would I have done act? Absolutely. What I would have done differently is when I came home, I wasn't consumed with act. Success is like a mistress. You go to bed thinking about it. You wake up thinking about it. It's the thing that strokes you. Everybody kind of begins to, you know, adore you and give you special treatment. And you get this uh, enlarged uh, false ego of how valuable and important you are. And you let that carry over to your family. And that's what happened to me, Simon. And I would le- I would not do that again. Uh, and and that's would be that would be my advice to your listeners. And I think you had to learn the hard way. A lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that, and I personally as well. I think you put it in a really good way. Entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial success is like a mistress. So you wake up to that, you go to bed to that. And God, you put it in such a good way. I'm I'm really amazed. I want to talk about uh, the worst entrepreneurial moment you've had, Mike. Uh, you've already shared us a good part of the journey so far. If you had to look back, um, is there a moment you remember that really stood out to you, the worst entrepreneurial moment, Mike? Yeah, I'm going to just briefly tell you of another entrepreneurial effort that uh, I threw every ounce of energy into. Everything was looking good, but it hinged on one very important person, and they basically betrayed me. Uh, from what they had led me to believe. So I, we sold ACT in June of 1993. In 1996, I was one of a few handful of investors in a new company called the Michael Jordan, the basketball player, the Michael Jordan Golf Company. And I got to spend time with Michael Jordan. And when I spent time with him and then go, went to public events, I could not believe the frenzy of the crowds around Michael Jordan, who is obviously still playing for the Chicago Bulls, right? And in that, uh, in those uh, uh, events, it occurred to me, there's an opportunity here to have some fun and create another company. So I created a company called Celebrity Soft Inc. And what I was going to do was create games uh, using already globally branded celebrities who also had sponsors who would probably, you know, uh, endorse and and provide money, advertising money in, in place of equity uh, to have their brands inside of the game, given certain accomplishments uh, within the game. I was going to take Michael Jordan and, and his love was golf, not basketball. That's kind of boring. Uh, I was going to be a fantasy golf game. The golf ball would go in the hole and it would go down to the middle of the earth and you'd have all these creatures and golf clubs would become weapons and it would be a battlefield to get through what was going to be called Michael Jordan's Domination Nation, which could could have extended the Domination Galaxy and Universe and blah, 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 right? And uh, I also got Charles Barkley, uh, it was going to create a game for him. And David Mitchell, Muhammad Ali's agent, called me 
because Michael Jordan's agent told him about my idea. And uh, David Mitchell, Muhammad's agent, wanted Muhammad uh, to be part of my company and have a game for him. I also talked with, locally here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, John uh, Romero, who was the inventor of Doom, one of the best games in that era. And he was going to provide the uh, developers to write my game idea and was going to invest in the company. All right, so I had a contract with Michael Jordan, uh, uh, but it never was signed by him. But his agent kept saying to me, Michael's going to sign it. Michael's going to sign it. You know, keep on going. And 18 months into it, and I'm leaving out a lot here, Simon, in the out of respect for the time on this call. But uh, 18 months into it, uh, and numerous trips up to David Falk's office in Chevy Chase, Maryland, Michael's agent, and the encouragement, David Falk even put me in touch with Ross Perot Jr., who himself was going to invest $3 million in CelebritySoft. Uh, so I kept saying, when's Michael going to sign the contract? Well, one day David calls me and says, Michael called me this morning and along with you and two other companies that gave him just sweat equity, he doesn't want any part of the company anymore unless you give him some money. And I didn't have the amount of money Michael wanted. And so the company ended after 18 months of all of this fun and opportunity, and it would have been a great, uh, probably a public company, uh, and I don't have time to get into why that is, but it was going to be a different kind of game company, and I was going to have those players exclusively to myself, and, you know, they're all friends in that world, right? It's a different world than I was accustomed to walking in, and I realized how easy it is to be cast aside uh, out of greed. And I had to shut down the business. Mike, I would love to get more into that. But before we end, I know we're running out of time. I want to ask you the last question. What brings you joy and really makes you happy? Uh, happiness is an important part of everybody's life. Um, Mike, let's end on that note. What brings you joy and really makes you happy? Well, you know, obviously I'm a relationship guy and uh, I'm going to, you know, kind of go back to an age old uh, theme and the real essence of life, Simon, uh, love, the love of my family, the love of my friends, the realization at my age that we work so hard in our lives to accumulate things, you know, boats and cars and mansions and whatever your dreams are, nothing wrong with them. But as you get older, you realize at the end of the day, all that really matters are the people who love you and that you love despite your faults. And so as I reflect back on time uh, from my perspective now, what makes me happy is just knowing that I live with uh, integrity, that I'm still on a path of trying to discover the full reason of my uh, existence and what I'm yet to achieve and that I'm applying my energy to that uh, and that's what's important uh, and when those things don't you know go go well which doesn't you know that you have your dark days I'm unhappy and uh, the happiness returns you know when um, you know you say you're sorry or you know you, you just uh, mend the relationships of those closest to you and that you're close to that you might have offended and you get on with it and, um, you know, you just restore that love uh, and loyalty that, that uh, is so important in life. Mike, you've been uh, so generous with your time. And I think a lot of people in the audience have really appreciated 
that uh, let's end today's show with a parting piece of guidance from you and the best way to connect with you. Well, I appreciate that, Simon. So the best way to connect with me, uh, if you want to write me personally, uh, my email address is mike at VIP, again, which very important person, viporbit.com. Um, you know, you can go to the App Store if you're an Apple user and, and uh, you know, download the product. It's free on the iPhone and iPad. You can go to our website, viporbit.com. Uh, so that's a way to get in touch with me. To end on this note, I always end my public speeches with this quote from a uh, poet back in the 1800 era. And I'm not a poetic kind of guy, but it's such a powerful quote that inspires me more than I can tell you, Simon. And it has to do with relationships in general. It has to do with being an entrepreneur, uh, you know, that drive to just continue the course and overcome the obstacles. So here's the quote of all, obviously there's already no room for doubt of all sad words of tongue or pen. The saddest are these, what might have been. I don't want to live my life when I, as I grow older and I approach the, the end of my life, look back and say, I wish I had done that thing, or I wish I hadn't have done that thing. I wish I had done things differently and I wasn't afraid. I don't want to have a lot of those. I want to have as few of those as possible. Uh, I don't want to live a what might have been life. I want to live a life of I gave it my best and I accomplished a lot. Mike, thank you so much for coming in and sharing journey with us. You're very welcome, Simon. You have a great day. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Decoded. For killer resources and free content, go to entrepreneurdecoded.com.